0: Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the School of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, this is Eric Schlein. You are listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, and today we have back on Trey Henninger. Uh, Trey, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. I thought it might be worth, if you're willing to talk about it, Solitron. I know you're a shareholder in that. There's been some recent developments. I know they had uh, most quarterly quarterly earnings that came out. Seemed pretty good from, from my take. I would love to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah. Solitron put out second quarter 2022 earnings. They have slightly shifted quarterly schedule in terms of, but it, so their fiscal 2022 second quarter which was quite fantastic in terms of the report. So they reported sales increased about 36%, but the net income was up 286. The stock yeah. moved. I don't think it moved at all on the report. No. Maybe a week later, it, it moved up a little bit and it gave most of it back, but it's pretty flat from, the, from that report, which is interesting. Part of that's because it, it, the earnings aren't all sustainable some of that right. is the PPP loan that they had so I'd predicted for a long time I think I talked about it on the one of the doing, previous yeah for so those are done. not who
0: are not familiar with the Solotron, uh story I'll put a link to the original episode where we where we talked an intro on it
1: yeah and so in my original thesis on it basically they had around 800 grand of loans from the paycheck protection program that was fully qualified for forgiveness. I thought it would be forgiven. They had announced, they had pre-announced that this had been forgiven and it would show up in earnings. And so it did show up in earnings, but it's untaxable income basically. And it's non-cash because they already had the cash. So it didn't really change anything, but it was about 40 cents per share of extra earnings. So they reported $1.18 per share earnings with the real earnings were 78 cents which is still massive because last year was 31 cents per share. So it was still an amazing (laughs) quarterly growth, but it had all these one-time reports in there. But it's interesting because now they're trailing 12 months earnings or $1.85, stocks trading at $9, I think, something like like $9.50.
0: And it's Um, a growth company.
1: And it's a growth company. This is a growth company trading for five times reported earnings. Those earnings aren't... Full, like I said, so some of that you gotta take 40 cents off that. So now you're like $1.45. $1. And now the big question is how does the rest of the year go? Because they pulled a little bit of uh, spending forward. So I basically think their earnings power is between a dollar and a dollar fifty per share right now. Wow. If you're just a current earnings power without any growth, but at 950, you're somewhere between nine times earnings and six times earnings. Six to nine times earnings in a company that's growing, they just grew over 100% year over year. So there's a lot of one-time effects. You kind of do your due diligence on this, but I think it's, it's really interesting. And there's only so much time a company can trade at reported earnings of five or less without something yeah. happening. So I'm excited. I think it was a great quarter. I think one of the things that I thought was the best was that they had 97% gross profit incremental margin on this quarter. They're, they basically had a million dollars in extra sales and cost of sales went up like 30 grand. And so all the rest of it, 970 grand or something like that. I, I posted the, the breakdown on for anyone who wants to follow me on Twitter. And, can, and can you that. send me
0: a link to that and we can put that in the show notes too?
1: Yeah, I can send you a link to that. Um, I'll have to go back and get it pulled up. But basically, it was really interesting when you look because what it's telling you is the operating leverage in this business. They grew sales by 36% and the true earnings still grew over 100% year over year. So Again, some of that was distorted. It wasn't 286 like that was reported number because there was some flubbing in there that they were required to do because that's what the tax laws say. But it's huge growth capability with just a little bit of sales growth. And so it's really showing that everything you're getting in sales is dropping to the bottom line, which is amazing for an investor because you can turn 10% sales growth into maybe 50% earnings growth. And and when you think about earnings growth at 50%, I'm not going to, I'm never going to, pencil in 100% earnings growth. I, I, yeah. Even if it's true, I'll take that as bonus. Yeah. But if you're going at 50% a year and you're trading at nine times earnings, uh, you're you're going to win. You're yeah. going to win
0: really well. Interesting. And it's pre- it's a pretty simple thesis. It's a pretty simple idea. I just thought it'd be worth sharing about that update because I thought it was pretty significant. And I was a little shocked, honestly, that the, the stock didn't move from that. I, buy, I ended up buying a little bit more after that. Uh, yeah
1: the report came out I, I digested it and I think if not that day maybe the next day just I mean a little bit I already have a huge position yeah. so there's a limit to like the amount I'm willing to add but it was one of those things it was like I thought it was gonna spike 30 percent or more yeah. on the news and it's sat there know. the position's done well for me so I'm yeah. happy to hold on
0: let's talk about one more you want to share one more of your holdings I know you don't like to typically disclose your holdings.
1: So another holding that I have, won't talk about size of position, but I have a position in Parks America. So it's a really interesting small company. It's also a I think it's still
0: yeah. a or the animal safari company.
1: Yeah, so they're an animal safari company. They own and operate three animal safaris around the US and what that is, it's very basically it's like a zoo but you get to drive through it.
0: Have you ever been to an animal safari? I
1: have not been to one. Dude, you, you got to go. Got to go. I, I, I went there's list.
0: there's one in Virginia that I've been to.
1: They're all around the country. Dude, they're scary. (laughs) They're actually pretty scary. There's hundreds of these around the country.
0: I'm actually, I have to say, I'm amazed that like, that there aren't more like accidents at these places because like I I was asking one of the managers when I was there, he was like, Cause I, I go through this, I finished the safari and I'm just like, like thinking that I've almost had my car totaled the three times by a bison. And, and I'm, I'm like, has anyone like been killed at this place? Or has <laughs> someone had like their tar, car completely? It wouldn't have shocked me if someone had died at this place. Cause it, it didn't seem safe. Like we, I literally took my car on this track and there's animals in front of my car and some of them are big. And then there's this bison, like there was this longhorn this freaking longhorn rubbing its longhorn on the side of my car. And I'm like, this thing, if it really wanted to, could just shove his horn through my window, there'd be nothing stopping it. And then I had a bison also rubbing himself against my car. And I'm just like, this is not comfortable.
1: <laughs> so you're doing a terrible sales job for Parks America. So I will clarify for anyone listening, that is not one of the Parks America parks. You went, you went in Virginia. And so their parks are in Missouri, Georgia, and Texas. And it, it is interesting because that's basically what you, you. You drive a car, and you can drive your own car or a rented car, or you can go on these uh, like buses. Basically,
0: you have a nice um, car. I would recommend go with a uh, a rented car.
1: Yeah, the, basically the yeah, or just go with a rental anyway because yeah. you you basically have large animals that can come <laughs> up to your car and you feed them out of your hand if you're brave enough, or you can throw some food to them. And but it's a great business though because if you think about what you're doing from a, from an investor standpoint is you buy land and then you have animals on it. And the animals are the entertainment that you're selling in in a sense. And they procreate and grow in population over time. So then you get some sales from selling the animals to either other safaris or zoos or or what what have you. Um, So the population maintains itself. The people feed the animals. So you don't have to have personnel feed the animals to maintain that. And they pay to come in and they pay for the food. And, and, and it's just like this giant Lollapalooza of money that flows through to the company.
0: You're still going to have to buy the animals food.
1: You'll have to buy the animals food, but like, then you charge customers for the food.
0: And sure. so I just don't, so like, maybe I'm wrong, but at least the one that I went to, there was no way that your little thing of food is going to be sufficient to sustain an entire animal population.
1: And again, I can't say for sure. Um, I'm not I can't, not I can't an imagine. Expert on yeah. That. I'm not an expert on that. But if you just think through what's happening, if you read the reviews on the ones for Parks America, they talked about well you want to go in the morning because the animals are full by the afternoon. Okay. And so now again, I can't speak for all of them or that they were full or whatever. Yeah, They're it, it reminded from. me
0: more it reminded me more of when I was in Florida, growing up in Florida, we had the monkey jungle where you go throw a little peanuts into a cup and then pull it up and, and eat. I'm sure yeah. that's not where the monkeys were getting like the bulk of their calories, but it's like an extra revenue generator. You're spending like yeah. $10 on a little basket of peanuts. Like that yeah. probably cost them like 20 cents.
1: Yeah. And that's the key is you had to very high gross margin. Yes. and that's the point I'm going to make. Yeah. And, and, but it's also a lower employee base that's needed relative to a zoo, which would be the most comparable. Because at a zoo, people aren't feeding the animals. Usually there's an explicit exclusion to feeding the animals. And so now you have part of what you would have to pay employees for customers doing for you. And and so it's just a very interesting business. You have very high free cash flow and you have basically no maintenance costs. New vehicles pretty frequently because they get tore up. But basically buy land and your gross margins are are 90% plus, which is amazing. Terms of a business, so as sales grow, it again drops to the bottom line. It's the same thesis I have with Sody or solatron Sorry, um,
0: it's bad when you start referring to companies as their tickers.
1: Ticker, I know I know I do it too. Uh, For yeah, but basically, that's that's where I like to buy these companies with operating leverage, and so where you can have 20 30 percent sales growth turn into 150 percent earnings growth. Because if you're buying a company like I was buying this one at 10 times earnings. I can't remember what the, I don't know what the PE is right now. I think the reported P is like 13, but when you're buying something at like 10 to 15 times earnings and then earnings double yeah. in a year, then you're at eight times earnings. What, what times was earnings. your,
0: for, uh, for Pricka, what was your original thesis?
1: Basically my thesis is that they By will the way PRCA, a, PRK
0: PRKA is the ticker
1: PRKA is the trick yeah. is the is the ticker for Parks America. Yeah. The thesis is very simple. This company throws off cash and they're going to have to use that cash. And that anything they use it for is going to be good for shareholders. Now, they don't plan to pay dividends. They're all their, every single one of their eight, you know 10Ks or 10Qs says we we don't plan to pay dividends. And so where are the money going to go? You look at their past history and they're buying other parks. Yeah. And so I see this 5, 10, 15 year play of them rolling up the, the safari park industry. And roll-ups what? are great because yeah. you buy cash flowing assets and you can lever up with that, get good prices, and it can lead to substantially high returns on equity for investors.
0: I'm, I'm like briefly familiar with the company. Like I've looked at it, I uh, haven't done a lot of work on it. Enlighten me. If you go back to the early 2000s they're actually down since 2002 or 2003 so for they don't seem to have a good track record at, at buying up assets if that's the case what is So the deal with
1: that? um okay. oh you're just talking about the stock price part of it there's a different management team um, is there? the okay. current management took over, I believe they took over, or at least they certainly bought a lot of shares in the financial crisis. So you're okay. talking 0809 when this company was trading at one penny per share, basically. I could see that. Yeah. So they're, okay. cur- they're currently trading at 67 cents per share. So the management team, the CEO, the controlling shareholders are basically up 67X on their investment. When they took it over, it was a single park. And in Georgia, I don't know, I'm probably going to get this wrong because I, I didn't prepare a ton for, for talking about this That's okay. offhand, but this particular piece, but they basically have Missouri, Georgia, and Texas. The Missouri park is subscale. So when it was acquired after the Georgia park, it never had the scale they need in terms of surrounding demographics in order to really grow and become a major profit driver. So that ended up being a poor acquisition and they've suffered from that
0: for years. Did they sell uh, it? Or are they going to sell it?
1: No, it's one of those things that's like break-even okay. at this point. It, it's kind of it's helping cover overhead for the headquarters. And so there's value to keeping it and selling it, but it's substantially less value than the Georgia Park, which on its own basically earned a hundred percent of the profit for the company. They mm-hmm. bought Aggie Land last year, which was in Texas, in between it's basically in between Houston, Austin, and Dallas, smack dab in the middle. And it can draw from the three of the top 10 largest cities in the US. And it has similar or better demographics than Georgia on its own It makes somewhere in the range of three to five million dollars in profit per year. And so you can expect as this park gets better, five ten years, it will produce that a similar amount, if not more.
0: What kind of returns do you, do you um, see in this industry if you wanted to like acquire land, build a park from scratch, or what kind of returns are you looking at for that?
1: So, because like, that's the idea, that's that... the
0: idea, right? If you're buying up these companies, you. Need...
1: Yeah, I think the main idea is to buy existing parks and not okay. build them. AngiLand was a new build that ran into financial trouble because the owner didn't have enough liquid assets to cover the startup. Mm-hmm. And they came in and basically bought it for less than cost okay. um, to take over. So they bought around $7 million. The $7 million is the key asset that they bought, and you're I would expect... Five, over the next five to 10 years, it will mature into an asset that's going to spin off anywhere from three to f- five, $7 million per year. So what that means is you're going to have return on equity of that asset of 50% or return on assets, basically. So right, right now it's going to be, right now it's, it's substantially funded with debt and equity, but if you have a return on asset of 50%, I mean, that's a great asset. It's going to take a few years to mature into that, but it's a very strong asset.
0: What's the incentive of a a current park owner to sell to them at a good return?
1: Usually retirement. A lot of these parks are small family operations. It's been the same family for 30, 40 years. And that's also the big downside with the investment is that you have to find a good manager because most of the time they're going to retire. So you're buying it from someone that's retiring. So you need to be able to find someone that's going to go in and operate it for another 10, 20 years and then incentivize them and pay them accordingly to manage this part because a lot of them are in rural. You're not going to be smacked dab in the middle of New York City and right. have a safari of animals going around. Um,
0: that
1: would be so interesting. It would be very – yeah. you could probably make a good amount of money if you could afford the $500 million worth of land cost or whatever. So that's the the big risk is that you have to find someone to then operate it. But a lot of them are retirement. So you have hundreds of these across the U.S., and then you just need – people to retire and and you build a reputation of acquiring. Interesting
0: idea. Anything else, Trey? That was two simple, interesting ideas for people to take a look more at. No,
1: I I think that's all for today. Just kind of focus on basically it's a similar thing of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something small that can 10X over a 10 to 15 year time period. And really my wheelhouse is specialized in finding places that have good operating coverage. And so that's what those both exemplify. Again, I'm a shareholder in both. I'm certainly incentivized if the price goes up. I don't know. I kind of hope they don't necessarily sometimes. And I I just, I think the compounding of the business is where I'm going to make my money because it's, I'm not here for 10, 20%. I like those 10 Xers.
0: I hear you. All right, man. It was uh, good to connect and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye, man.